This morning, we're going to talk about shepherds. We're going to talk about shepherds in this hour and in the 1050 hour. I realized I imposed on you two weeks ago that I really tried to cram a lot in a short period of time under the term elder. But it was because I knew we were going to have the two-week break. It just made no sense to me to break it up like that. So this morning, I don't have to worry about rushing through this. I can take time and work through helping us understand what this work is all about when we look at shepherds. I would reiterate something I shared with you before. I think, in my opinion, in the book of Ricky, when we begin to talk about elders, we first run to 1 Timothy 3 and Titus 1. There is legitimacy to talk about 1 Timothy 3 and Titus 1, and we are going to do that later on. But first, we need to understand, understand something about the terms. And the terms themselves describe the kind of man and also describe the work, part of the work or the function of the man or men that are to stand before us in this way. And so I think it's important that we understand a broader picture than just 1 Timothy 3 and Titus 1. And so this morning, as I said, we're going to talk about the term shepherd. I think shepherding is foreign to us. We, by and large, do not live in an agricultural society. We, we live in a suburban society. In fact, Garland ISD has an FFA barn, Future Farmers of America. If you just go down the side road to Campbell Road going east, you'll come just about to uh, Pleasant Valley, and you look at your right, and there is a big pasture with a number of barns on it. When I was at East Texas State University, working to have my vocational ag degree, Garland ISD was a model program for suburban young people who wanted to have their projects, heifers, cattle, and all kinds of livestock, for them to have a place to have it. We do that because there's no pasture, and we have no ranchers, and we have no farmers, and if we had ranchers, they probably would not be sheep ranchers. They would probably be more cattle. When I lived in Del Rio, there was a lot of sheep country there, a lot of mohair goat country as well, but there were a lot of sheep men out there, and they understood something about what this work was about. And so I think it's kind of foreign to us when we think about the term shepherd, we'd understand more the idea of cattle, especially in Texas, because we had the cattle drives. And we knew the cattle drives that came went from Texas to Kansas, to Abilene, Kansas, to, to hit the railroad, then to go to, to market. We had the, the, to be a cattleman was the thing. In fact, to be a shepherd during cattleman days didn't work real well. In fact, if you remember the movie Big Jake with John Wayne and the opening scene, there's this fellow that's about to be hung. And John Wayne comes upon him in his nonchalant way and basically tells them, you're not hanging him. Why were you going to hang him? Because he is a sheep man, not a cattle man. That's how sheep men were regarded by cattle men. And I got to tell you, 
In biblical times, sheep men were not regarded much higher either. They could not hold elective office. If there was one, they could not, they could not sit on a jury. They, they, were, they were considered the, the scum of whatever livestock orientation you wanted to consider. They were not highly regarded individuals. And so it hadn't changed a lot over the period of time. The other thing that you have with regard to the difference between cattlemen and sheepmen is cattlemen drive their herds. Shepherds don't drive. Shepherds lead. And that brings us to Numbers chapter 27, verse 17. Numbers chapter 27, verse 17 said, Who may go out before them, go in before them, who may lead them out and bring them in, that the congregation of the Lord may, be like, may not be like sheep, which have no shepherd. Do you get the, how that works? Who may go out before them? Who may go in before them? Who may lead them out and bring them in? So you have the shepherd that's leading out. The shepherd leads before. Now, jumping way ahead, we begin to talk about the rule of shepherds or the rule of elders or bishops. It is this expression. It is to stand before or to lead or guide. It has nothing to do with anything legislative. Nothing has to do with any kind of authoritarian way. It has to do with the stand before or to lead or to go before. And here you see the illustration of that with what a shepherd would do. I read the story in preparation for all this, of which there was this Jewish man who had a, had a stick. And it was being asked, are you driving your flock? He said, cattlemen drive, shepherds lead. I'm a butcher, not a shepherd. I'm driving to the butcher. Point. When you see the wool of the sheep in the mouth of a wolf, you know you have a wolf, not a shepherd. Why? Because shepherds don't eat sheep. Wolves eat sheep. Butchers lead to butchering sheep. Sheepmen, shepherds, don't butcher sheep. In 2 Samuel chapter 5, in 2 Samuel chapter 5, and verse 2, 2 Samuel chapter 5 and, and, and verse, two, verse 2, he said, Also in time past, when Saul was king over us, you were the one who led Israel out, brought them in, and the Lord said to you, you shall shepherd my people Israel and be ruler over Israel. At this time, Saul is king. Kings were not shepherds. David here is a military man. And David is, as a military man, leading his troops out. Today, our generals, by and large, don't lead their troops out. They're hunkered down in some sort of headquarters somewhere, and they're directing things from their headquarters. Here, David said, he's, the leading, he's leading the men out to fight. Shepherds lead. That's the point. Now turn to Psalm chapter 23. We're going to spend quite a bit of time now in this text. I just want to open with those two points to get them before us. We turn to Psalm chapter 23. I think Psalm chapter 23 reveals a whole lot to us about the relationship between sheep and shepherds. Psalm chapter 23, first of all, let me tell you, share with you, is written from the standpoint of the sheep, not the shepherd. 
But we learn a lot about shepherding from David, who is here, the sheep. David don't understand shepherding. David understood because he was watching his father's flock. And in watching his father's flock, he knew something about leading the flock. He knew something about protecting the flock. Remember, he had fought a lion and a bear. And remember how God had been with him along the way too. So when he says these things, he's speaking of this as one who has been shepherded as well. And so he begins by saying, the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. I shall not want. And the idea of want there is I shall not lack. All that I need to be supplied will be supplied, will be provided. The shepherd will provide. The shepherd will make sure the sheep have no lack or have no want. Now, there's a difference between a shepherd and a hireling. We get to John 5, John 10 in the second session. We'll talk about more about that. But just at this, the hireling only makes sure the sheep are satisfied when it's convenient for the hireling. But when danger comes, the hireling will desert. But the shepherd, who has an investment in his flock, makes sure they are provided for, that all they need is supplied, and also will not flee, will not run from them, whenever the need of protection arises. David said, I shall not want. And he says, all that, all that has been provided for me, God has provided, and God has been my protector. God has been my guide. God has been my stay. And so he says, I shall not want. Then he says, he makes me to lie down in green pastures. The idea of lie down. Sheep are fretful creatures. Sheep are anxious creatures. Sheep will scatter at the sound of a jackrabbit. They are defenseless creatures. Sheep don't run. Sheep hop away. They don't run like other animals run. They're not going to be able to run from a wolf that's chasing them. They're not going to be fast enough, and they don't run that way. They have to be free of anything that would be fretful, anything that would cause them anxiety, anything that would cause them a great concern or a challenge to their life. Also, the shepherd has to make sure that they're free of not only some predator, but also to make sure that there's calm among the sheep as well. That there's no rivalry. That there's no competition. You'll have old ewes in a flock. And one ewe will be the chief ewe, for lack of a better way to say it. She'll be the head ewe. And she'll butt other ewes to make sure they butt out of her business. They're also the rams, and the ram has his flock, and he will fight for the possession of his flock. And so the shepherd has to make sure there's no danger, there's no rivalry, there's no competition, that everyone is lying down in green pastures. And then he says, he leads me beside the still waters. The constitution of a lamb is somewhere around 70% water. And so they don't have water, they don't have hydration. If they're fearful, as we just talked about, and don't lie down, then they will slip their lambs prematurely 
if they become dehydrated, they will slip their lambs prematurely. And so he has to make sure he leaves them beside the still waters. But the other significant thing is, if the water is not clean and pure for them, they'll drink water that has feces or urine in it, and they won't distinguish between the two, and then they become infested with all kinds of diseases. And so the shepherd has to make sure that the water itself is not contaminated, that the water itself is pure for them. So he leaves them beside the still waters, not stagnant waters, waters that are slowly running over rocks, waters that are slowly running to purify the water and make sure that the lambs have adequate water, have adequate hydration, therefore to produce adequate wool and adequate flocks. And then he will say, he restores my soul. The idea of restores my soul is that here the shepherd gathers the lamb and pulls the lamb to himself to protect from hazards or buzzards or anything that would, that would, would, would attack or pursue the lamb. He restores my soul. He gathers me to him as a, as a shepherd would gather the lamb to himself. Now all this is under the heading of he leads me. He leads me. The shepherd leads me. That was Numbers 27. That's 2 Samuel chapter 5. He leads me in these ways. He leads me. And the idea is he provides guidance. He provides direction. He provides vision. He has a goal. He has a purpose. He, he knows where he wants his flock to be led. The shepherd is familiar with the terrain. The shepherd's familiar with the pastures. The shepherd's familiar with the lambs himself. Sheep will blindly follow one another. In fact, wolves are very cunning. And wolves will stalk, stalk the flock in a very stealth kind of way. And one thing wolves watch for is they watch for the trail. Because sheep will blindly follow one another, and as they blindly follow one another, they keep going the same path until they make a trail. And so the shepherd has to watch how he's leading them so they don't make a trail and he leads them in directions that are away from anything that is dangerous and make sure they don't blindly follow one another to then be prey to a predator. They don't have the sense to make sure they are not going the same direction, the same path every time they walk somewhere. And so the shepherd is the one who has to lead them, to guide them, to have that vision, to have that purpose for them. And he said, he leads me beside still waters. He makes me to lie down in green pastures. He restores my soul. All this is under the provision. The shepherd is doing all he can to provide for everything the flock needs, whatever the needs are that are there. And then we look in Psalm 23 again. He said, yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. This idea of walk is the idea of close, intimate relationship. For example, remember back in the book of Genesis, early on in the story of Adam and Eve, it said God walked with them in the cool of the day. Anthropomorphism, that is human attributes being attributed to God so we can understand what's taking place. He walked with them in the cool of the day. To walk with someone speaks of intimacy and close relationship he walks with me through the valley of the shadow of death he walks here the shepherd has this close intimate relationship with his flock 
He knows his flock and he walks with them. And so here the shepherd's leading them. And he walks them through the valley of the shadow of death. Here you'd walk through this valley and you'd have these sheer cliffs on both sides. That might not be well lighted. That might be dark because the cliffs are shower, are hiding the sun. And they cannot, the sun cannot give direct light. And so the shepherd's leading through the valley of death. Through those dark valleys that are there. And the shepherd's walking with them through those valleys. He's not running ahead and leaving them to themselves. Remember the old westerns? But they'll always be afraid of an ambush. And so what the shepherd does is he doesn't run ahead and leave them suspect to an ambush. He's going to, however they lead, he's going to walk with them every step of the way, even through the valley of the shadow of death. The darkest times, he's going to walk with them. He's not going to leave them suspect of peril. And then we come again. And said, you prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. The pasture the shepherd's leading to, he knows. He takes the mineral blocks. He takes the salt blocks. He takes all that's necessary for their health. He knows. He has prepared. He has prepared the table for them. He has prepared the meal for them. Have someone special in your house? You invite them over? A special occasion? And you pull out the special china because you want to make sure they know they are special guests. You just pull out ordinary paper plates. You prepare the table. When there's a state dinner, every president has their own china design. And there's a state dinner. The state dinner is set up for the visiting head of state and the table is prepared. Well, here the shepherd prepares. He knows the pasture land he's leading them to. He knows the dangerous spots there. He knows how to help them lie down in these green pastures so they'll have peace and so they'll prosper. He prepares, he says, the table before me. And then he says, he anoints my head with oil and my cup runs over. The shepherd would have a small flask that would be attached to his belt that he would carry along with him while the flock is traveling and would have oil in it. And the shepherd would take the oil from the flask and pour it on the head of the lamb because, number one, they are suspect to nose flies. Now, when we go back to he makes me lie down, they'll not lie down if they're infested. If they're nose flies, that will, flies will come and embed themselves in their nostrils because lambs have snotty noses. And those snotty noses are, make it suspect breeding places for flies to come or mosquitoes or any kind of infestation to come to embed themselves in the nostrils of, those nose, of their nose. And when they do that, then they'll burrow themselves into the body of the lamb. And they'll eat the lamb inside out. And so he takes that oil and he'll pour the oil over the head of the lamb so that those predators, those insect predators, don't find a way to have a way to latch on to burrow themselves in. Another thing is, if a lamb begins to get scabs, scabbies, that is, their wool begins to be affected because they've got something eating that wool off, what they'll do is they'll butt a tree. Or they'll butt a rock. 
and they'll rub their head on it till they rub their wool off or break their neck. And so the shepherd takes the oil and puts it over his head so that he's protected from the scabs. But also, I said they had to be free of competition and rivalry, especially among the rams during season of rut. You would have the rams that were there and they would be competing for the ewes in the flock and they would back off and they would come in and they would hit each other with great force head to head. Well, the sheep man needs his rams and needs his ewes. And if they kill one another, they're nothing. He can't make anything off of them. So what he'll do during season of rut is he'll pour the oil over their head so that when they hit, it's a glancing blow. And they don't make solid contact. And so he anoints my head with oil. Is He makes it so that they're not infested. He makes it so that they'll not be diseased. And makes it so that they will protect themselves. From the book of Ricky. I think the anointing oil the Lord provides for his people today is called the fruit of the Spirit. Because if we have the fruit of the Spirit, then we're not going to have places for infestations to come, disease to happen, and we're not going to be butting heads where we kill one another. Because we have the fruit of the Spirit, we're going to walk by the Spirit, and we're not going to have strife, and we're not going to have envy. We'll have peace, and we'll have harmony. Then he says, furthermore, he says, uh, Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. I like how this, how this is stated. Surely goodness and, mercy shall follow, goodness and mercy shall pursue me. Goodness and mercy shall, shall pursue me is the idea there. It's not their following. Their goodness and mercy is pursuing me. And what that means is their security. Their security that is here. And he says, I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Here is my security. Here is my dwelling place. Here is my confidence. Here is my assurance. Now, all this says, the shepherd has to know a sheep. The shepherd has to know the tendencies of the sheep. Sheep have tendencies. They're creatures of habit. They have tendencies. And the shepherd knows the, 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 the tendency of every lamb in his flock. He knows their skills. He knows their tendencies. He knows their weaknesses. He knows how they're going to interact with each other. He knows if I need to separate this you from this you or this ram from this ram. He keeps them apart so that he has peace in the flock. If there's one that is rogue, and sometimes you have a rogue you, you'll have a, rogue, a you that will not follow the shepherd. You will say, I'm going to go my own path. And so the shepherd has to pull that you in, and he does that with his staff. The rod and the staff. The staff is there and the staff is there to pull the lamb back or to help the flock rest at peace because he'll take that staff and lay it across the back of a lamb that is agitated. But he also has the rod, that rogue lamb. A shepherd is very proficient with his little rod. It's just a wood, woody knob. And he takes it, he knows just how to fling that thing to hit Nip just at the nose of that lamb that's going the wrong direction to turn that lamb away. Or he'll use the rod for when the lamb comes to separate the wool from the skin to make sure that the wool and the skin are in health. 
Or he'll use the rod to help count the lambs. So the rod and the staff, they comfort me. The rod is at once a weapon. It is once an instrument of protection. And the staff is one that is intended to draw close. If a lamb falls off into a crag down here, the shepherd will reach down with the staff and pull the lamb up. So the lamb will be saved from the fall that is there. And so you have the staff that is used to save and to produce calm among the flock. And so the shepherd knows. He has to know his flock. He has to know their tendencies. He has to know their weaknesses. He has to know what causes strife among them. He has to know what causes them agitation. He knows he needs to know how to lead them. But there's one thing I missed in this I want to come back to. And that's verse 4. Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for you are with me. There's fear not because of the presence of predators, but there's fear because of the absence of the shepherd. When the shepherd's present, The lambs have nothing to fear. Now, I want you to look at this. I want you to look at, I'm sorry, back up here. I want you to look at, jumped ahead of myself. I want you to look at that collection of information there. I want you to look at all those descriptions of a shepherd in Psalm 23. Do you learn something more about a shepherd there than just 1 Timothy 3 and Titus 1? Do you think if you didn't have 1 Timothy 3 and Titus 1, just by the description of David here, you could find a man that's a shepherd? Because he's already shepherding? Look at that collection of information there. Does that, is that impressive to you? That's what a shepherd does. That's significant. You see, a shepherd's not just an additional name on a letterhead. And a shepherd's not one that's made sure the carpet's the right color. And a shepherd's not just one to make sure there's enough money in the bank. Nothing has to do with any of that. Does a shepherd make decisions? Yes. Does a shepherd have judgment? Yes. That's involved in all that. He needs to know how to lead them. He needs to know how to handle them. Does a shepherd exercise discipline? Yes. But look at the attributes of a shepherd here. That's what we're talking about. That's significant for us. Turn to Ezekiel chapter 34. I'm sorry. I want you to see a couple of other passages real quick. Turn to Psalm chapter 78. I want you to see, see this kind of thing in action. Psalm chapter 78. Psalm chapter 78, verses 71 and 72. Now, think of Psalm 78, 71 and 72 in light of Psalm 23. He said, from following the eyes that had young, he brought him to shepherd Jacob's people and Israel's 
and Israel, his inheritance. So he shepherded them according to the integrity of his heart and guided them by the skillfulness of his hand. He shepherded them by the integrity of his heart and skillfulness of his hand. A shepherd is a man of integrity, a man of skill. And then I want you to see also Isaiah chapter 40. Isaiah chapter 40. And I want you to see verse 11. Isaiah chapter 40 and verse 11. And again, think of Isaiah chapter 40 verse 11 in harmony with Psalm 23. He will feed his flock like a shepherd. He will gather the lambs with his arm and carry them in his bosom and gently lead those who are young. Do you see that in Psalm 23? He will feed his flock like a shepherd. He'll gather the lambs with his arms and carry them in his bosom and gently lead those who are young. Yes, there's a time that the shepherd has to use the rod as an instrument of discipline, but listen. Those are the exceptions for the shepherd. Those aren't the rules for the shepherd. Sheep are not cattle. Sheep require gentleness and care and concern. They require skill. Turn to Ezekiel chapter 34. Ezekiel chapter 34. We've painted that picture from Psalm 23. Now I want to show you the opposite side of that. Psalm chapter 34. Look beginning in verse 1. And the word of the Lord came to me saying, Son of man, prophesy against the shepherds of Israel. Prophesy and say to them, Thus says the Lord, Go Thus says the Lord God to the shepherds, Woe to the shepherds of Israel who feed themselves. Should not the shepherds feed the flock? Do you see the contrast between that and Psalm 23? Psalm 23 makes sure the, shepherd, the sheep are fed. Here, the shepherds are eating the sheep. Shepherds don't slaughter sheep. Shepherds can partake of the byproduct of sheep, but shepherds don't slaughter sheep. Shepherds were not permitted to sell the sheep. Here, the shepherds are exploiting the sheep. And look at what he says in verse 3. You eat the fat and clothe yourself with the wool. You slaughter the fatlings, but you do not feed the flock. Here, the shepherds are just abusing themselves. And notice what he says in verse 4. The weak you have not strengthened, nor have you healed those who were sick, nor bound up the broken, nor brought back what was driven away, nor sought what was lost. But with force and cruelty, you have ruled them. Here you had your sheep, and they were sick. They needed strengthening. They were, they were weak. They were broken. They needed healing. They needed binding up. They needed for you to gather them and carry them close to you. And instead of doing that, you did everything that was the opposite. You operated by force. Peter will say, not to be lords over the flock. They're lords. They're forcing themselves. It's a blessing here. Myself excluded from this. That the history, the 41-year history of this church of having shepherds. 
the men we've had serving as shepherds have been shepherds. And they've not forced things on the flock. They have come to the flock. They've had the flock's concern. They've not exploited the flock. But churches have been destroyed. Churches have been consumed internally because elders were not shepherds. They were egotistical, narcissistic rulers who forced their will on the flock and the flock scattered. Serious point here. I'm not trying to be melodramatic. Shepherds are not lords. Shepherds don't force their will on the flock. Shepherds don't eat the flock. Shepherds bind the flock. Shepherds provide for the flock. And then look again. So they were scattered because there was no shepherd. Why? Because they're forcing them. And they became food for all the beasts. Shepherds not there. And the field when they were scattered. And said, so my sheep wondered, verse 6, through all the mountains on every high hill, my flock was scattered over the whole face of the earth, and no one was seeking or searching for them. How sad. The sheep are scattered over the hills, and there's no one searching for them. Do you remember the story in Luke chapter 15 where you have the man that's got 99 and 199 are there and one's lost? He'd say, well, you can read hog or die poor. It's up to you, you dumb lamb. You ran away. If you weren't so stupid, you'd stay with the flock. That's a fit adjective. If you were not stupid, you would, not, you would have stayed with the flock. But no, no, you had this rogue idea, so you can just root hog or die poor if you want to go. You can be meat for the wolves. No, he went and he searched for that lamb. He didn't wait for the lamb to come knock on his door to say, I'm here, I've sinned. He searched for it. He went after the lamb. They scattered because there was no shepherd, because the shepherds were forcing themselves on the flock. And then he comes down and he will say in verse 8, As I live, says the Lord God, surely my flock became prey. My flock became food for every beast of the field because there was no shepherd. Nor did my shepherds search for my flock, but the shepherds fed themselves and did not feed my flock. Therefore, O shepherds, hear the word of the Lord. Thus says the Lord God, Behold, I am against the shepherds, and I'll require my flock at their hand. I will cause them to cease feeding the sheep, and the shepherds will feed themselves no more. For I will deliver my flock from their mouths, for they, that they may no longer be food for them. For thus says the Lord, indeed, I myself will search for my sheep and seek them out. And what he says is, if the shepherds I ask to do it aren't going to do it, then I'll do it and make sure they're taken care of. How sad that he would have to condemn the shepherds. How sad he would have to say, okay, I'm taking over here because you've just left my, you've left my flock open. Everybody wants to come in. You left, left an open conduit for them to come in. Anybody wants to come in and say anything you want to say and destroy your flock. Okay, I'm taking over here. I'm going to, I'm going to protect my flock because you're not. I understand the Lord speaking through, to, 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 through Ezekiel to Israel. And the Lord had a hand, direct hand in that. I think that's still true today though. God is saying, I will curse shepherds who are not shepherds, but leave the flock out to dry. Now, I'll show you a couple of passages that are companion to that. Turn to the book of Amos chapter 3. Amos chapter 3. Amos chapter 3. 
Amos chapter 3, look at verse 12. Amos chapter 3 and verse 12. Thus says the Lord, as a shepherd takes from the mouth of a lion two legs and the piece of ear, so shall the children of Israel be taken out who dwell in Samaria in the corner of a bed and on the edge of a couch. Let me ask you something. Why would a shepherd take from the mouth of a lion two, two legs and a piece of ear? By the time he gets that far in the mouth of the lion, isn't in the lamb already food? In the lamb already eaten? In the lamb already dead? He said, no. The shepherd will take two legs and a piece of ear. It doesn't matter what the lion's done. These are my sheep. And you're a lion and you can't have them. He's going to go to any extreme he can to protect even a lamb who has been partially devoured by a lion. And then turn to the book of Zechariah. Zechariah chapter 11. Turn to the book of Zechariah chapter 11. And read with me verses 15 through 17. And the Lord said to me, next, take for yourselves the implements of a foolish shepherd. For he I'll raise up a shepherd in the land who will not care for those who are cut off, nor seek the young, nor heal those that are broken, nor feed those that still stand. But he will eat the flesh of the fat and tear the hooves in pieces. Woe to the worthless shepherd who leaves the flock. A sword shall be against his arm, against his right eyes. His arm shall, be completely, shall completely wither, and his right eye shall be totally blind. And what the Lord is saying is, if you're going to be shepherds like in the days of Ezekiel, then here's a judgment against you. I'm not going to take it lightly. Now, I want you to look at what happened here in Ezekiel now. Look at the opposite here. Look at what Ezekiel says. They exploit the flock. They, did, they didn't provide for them. They were broken. They were hurting. They didn't go after the sheep to pursue them. They left them to their own selves, not provide the strength that was needed. Contrast that with Psalm 23. Can you see a shepherd? If you find a man like Ezekiel chapter 30, if you're thinking about a man like Ezekiel chapter 34, run. Run the opposite direction. Because he'll eat you. He'll devour you. Shepherding requires the heart of a shepherd. Not the rabidness of a wolf. Two pictures that paint for us graphic descriptions of how Lord describes shepherds. When we come back to the next hour, we're going to look at John 10 and John 21, and look at the relationship between the shepherd and the true shepherd versus the hireling, and then John 21. I was talking to Breck last week, or two weeks ago, after the elder lesson, and it's not just Breck that has said this, this has been said several times when the elders come together after I do something like this. He said, well, I'm not sure I feel, feel up to and adequate to do this. And I'll tell you, there's six of us who don't feel like we're adequate enough to this. It is a daunting thing. Fellas, it's a daunting thing to wear the hat of a shepherd.
congregation, it's a daunting thing to make sure you have shepherds who are shepherds. Thanks for listening and considering that. We'll have a word of prayer. Michael have a song. Go to our classes. Thank you. Thank you for connecting with us this morning. We're so thankful that you were able to do that. If you have questions, we'd love to have the opportunity to talk to you. You can contact us at www.thebibleway.com or questions at thebibleway.com. Questions at thebibleway.com. We'd love to have you in person. Come if you can. But thank you for connecting with us.